0: You know, the Bible is full of passages regarding money. In fact, um, it's one of the things that Jesus talked the most about during his ministry. And and many of you guys during this question series have asked uh, a lot of questions about money. And so we wanted to take some time today and really address some of those. And and so we've asked uh, two experts to come and just share with us uh kind of an interview format and so we've got we've got one expert coming to us to talk about budgeting and getting out of debt and another to talk about investing and and uh, so we're we're excited for them to come and be with us. You know, uh many people assume that to follow Jesus means to live a life of poverty, but that's really not the message of Jesus. Um in fact, what he does is he guides our use of money so that we can be in control of it rather than it being in control of us. Uh, Matthew 6 and uh, Luke 16 alike both uh, say that we should not be controlled by money, but rather uh, we should make money serve us. Um, we need to be mastered only by God. So in lieu of our normal message uh, today, we've asked two professionals to come and share with us this morning. I hope that you enjoy today as as I was getting ready and preparing these interviews um, there, there was just a couple moments where I sat there and I thought, man, I just got some free budget and credit and investment counseling, and and uh, I was really excited about it. So I hope you guys are excited about this too. Uh, it's totally going to be worth your money, I promise. And um, so first, uh, we're going to hear from Janet Harrison, who works with all kinds of people just to help them get out of debt. So if you'll please welcome Janet as she comes to the stage.
1: Um,
0: Stand down here. Oh, come up here, come up here, Janet. Janet, Janet is a community outreach advocate for Consumer Credit Counseling Service, um, also known as a Prize in Financial Advocates, uh, here in Columbus. She's worked for CCCS for 12 years, and uh, she started out as a certified counselor, and eventually becoming the ma- uh, the manager of customer service. Um, while in customer service, she really gained an interest in education. And uh, in her current position, Janet focuses on the development of community partnerships with employers. Faith based organizations and financial institutions, nonprofits and government agencies alike. Um, through these partnerships, Consumer Credit Counseling Services provides financial education uh, programs throughout central Ohio. Programs are designed uh, to, to provide community awareness of CCCS and, and provide practical information to consumers to help them get out of debt and, um, and gain effective money management skills. Uh, through efforts, she strives to achieve the mission of CCCS, which is helping to provide people, um, or helping people improve their financial well-being through counseling, community outreach, and financial education. Uh, Janet currently serves on two boards, uh, the Columbus Saves Board and the Ohio Jumpstart Coalition Board. Um, so with the economy where it is, we're very excited to have Janet here with us just to talk about budgeting and, uh, and, and, and managing money well. Um, so Janet, um, Is there anything that you can just tell us just a little bit about uh, why all this budgeting stuff is so important for us and and how we can really get started in our own budgeting?
1: Sure. Um, First of all, I don't like the word budget. Doesn't it sound like you suffer? Um, I prefer the word spending plan. And the whole uh, phrase of that that is so important is plan. When you go on vacation, you plan. You uh, pack your clothes, you route your trip, you figure out where you're staying, you make arrangements for your pet at, at a, a dog place or a kitty place, you stop your mail, you do a lot of energy to plan for a week's vacation. If we spend as much time planning for our vacation and we spent that time also planning on how we're going to spend our money next month when we get it, think of how well we'd manage it. because of the time we put into it. It is the cornerstone of figuring out and determining your finances. Um, The the spending plan or the budget, um, there's three key parts to it. First of all, you have got to um, dedicate yourself to doing it every month. Unfortunately, if we ever get around to doing a budget, after we do it, we tend to stick it in a drawer and we feel like, okay, good, now I know where my money's going. But we don't look at it again. You need to do it, look at it every month and post it someplace in your home where you see it on a regular basis. Um, some people put it on the refrigerator, some people keep it in their bedroom, some people put it um, next to their TV because that's they're looking at it a lot. Put it someplace where you will see it and 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 be committed to following it. Um, The second thing is you always want to start with um, knowing what your needs are. You know, 50 years ago, our needs were exactly what they are today. Housing, food, utilities, transportation, medical, and childcare. Basic needs. When push comes to shove, those always have to come first. So you want to start your spending plan with identifying your needs and knowing exactly what they cost. The second component is knowing who your creditors are. List your creditors in order. Uh, actually get a piece of paper out. Write them down. Know who you owe. Know how much you owe. Know what the monthly uh, p- uh, payment is. See if you can dedicate t- more money towards that each month to get rid of those creditors as quickly as possible. I like the idea of listing them from um, most expensive to least expensive in terms of the balance that you owe. And then any extra money in your budget each month, throw extra money on the balance that's the smallest. Why do I like that plan? Because I had 10 creditors, and then quickly I came down to nine, and then eight, seven. We're human beings, and as we get excited about being successful, we tend to put more energy and time and commitment into it. The more excited you get over managing your finances versus letting your finances manage you, um, the more successful you're gonna be. The budget is the cornerstone to figuring out um, what you want to do. And then thirdly, um, wants. That's what's changed drastically in our society. Our want list has exploded. Our needs are still the same, but what we want out of life financially has changed. We have cell phones, internet connection, cable, eating out. You know, the national pastime in this country used to be baseball. It's now eating out. Hmm. We have become an eat out society. Um, those few things that I just mentioned um, add hundreds of dollars to our budget every month. And unfortunately, our income hasn't kept pace. So what we do is we try to figure out how we're going to cover our needs and chase after our wants.
0: Yeah, and I think as we as we start to see how, you know, our, our desires and our wants are are. Affecting our budget, you know, we start to feel like we're in over our heads and, and we don't know what to do where to begin with this. And, sure. and uh, so what do you recommend for someone who's in that position where where they feel like their money's just out of control? You know, how can how can they even what, what can they do?
1: Well, again, it's all about the being organized and developing a plan. Um, I can't say enough that that's where you have to start. One of the activities that I try to talk consumers into is tracking your expenses. Every one of us in this room know our fixed expenses. We know what we spend on mortgage or rent payment. We know what we spend on our car payment. The items that we s- for every month that's the same, such as a cable bill. Whoever writes the bills out in your house or pays them online, they'll be able to tell you right away what that expense is because it's the same every month. We know that. It's the variable expenses, the things that we um, pay for each month that change based on our behavior. Eating out. Um, Gas for our car. Let's think about this. Gas is going up so quickly. And have we readjusted our budget to adapt to the rising uh, price of gas and food. If we're paying more on a category, it's coming from another category. What category is it coming from? With the written budget and you beginning to identify really what your variable expenses are, you can begin build a budget that's not only realistic, but it's accurate. I encourage consumers for 30 days, buy little small notebooks, keep them in your wallet, your purse, your car. Write down any time you spend money. Any time you spend money, write it down. And then after 30 days, you can go back through and categorize the numbers and know exactly what you're spending. And I always like this one example. I'm I'm a vending machine person, unfortunately, and every day I would go to the vending machine and buy a can of pop. Now, let's say it costs a dollar. Let's say there's 22 days in a month where every day, uh, working days in a month, every day I would go and buy a can of pop. That's $22 a month. What if... I hadn't done that, and instead I went to the grocery store and bought a 24 pack of Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, let's say. And I took that can of pop with me to work. Okay, Uh, let's say it cost $5. $5 versus $22. In one month, I saved how much money? $17? And I didn't suffer. I, I still got what I wanted, but I made better use of my money. Now, if I can do that with one item, imagine if I sat down and thought about creative ways I could save money and then added those uh, elements to my spending plan, really how much I could save. And what's exciting is when I've talked consumers into this, they've come back to me and said, it's like I got a raise mm. because there's extra money in their pocket.
0: Yeah. It's so much fun though to go to the vending machine.
1: I know it, and it's so tempting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's really about discipline, isn't it?
1: It's well, and about making a plan. Instead yeah. of doing this, I'm going to do this over here, and knowing exactly. The key to a spending plan being successful is, um, as you approach the end of this month, on paper, before you get your money, you're going to decide how you're going to spend your money you're going to get in April. So if if you're spending, if you're doing your budget as you get your money, it may be a little, not late, but it may not be as well thought out if you think about how you're going to spend your money for the month of April before you actually get it.
0: Janet, uh, will you tell us just a little about the consumer credit counseling program? Sure. And and, uh, and and really, this sounds like something that not a lot of people can tap into. Can you address that? Is, sure. Who's this really for?
1: Consumer credit counseling service has been in business here in the Central Ohio area since 1955. We're a we're a nonprofit agency, and it's for. Almost anybody and everyone. We have a variety of services at Consumer Credit Counseling Service. We have um, people who walk in and say, "I have income, but my I, I can't manage it." And we help them set up a budget. If you're struggling with credit card debt, uh, medical bills, items that have gone to collections, we are we have a great relationship with our creditors. Often we're able to get the interest rates lowered and the fees that have been assessed. Not a whole lot we can do about what's already happened, but going forward, we may be able to get those um, late fees or over-the-limit fees stopped, so the amount that you owe back is much less over time. Uh, we We are one of the certified agencies that's able to do the bankruptcy counseling that's now required by law if a consumer wants to file personal bankruptcy, and sometimes that is the right answer, depending on your individual circumstances. Um, We have um, housing counseling um, that we have developed to deal with the foreclosure crisis. By the way, if anybody out there is struggling with their mortgage or you hear anybody say, well, if I give this company $300 or $500, they're going to help me save my house, tell them to run away very fast. Mm -hmm. Housing counseling in Franklin County should always be free. Always to the consumer um, there's five wonderful agencies in Franklin County who provide housing counseling sort of um, consumer credit counseling services one of them and it's free to the consumer
0: that's great that's really good well mm-hmm. how, how long does it take um, for someone to go through this process of of you know not just getting out of debt but really the whole the whole you know thing of sure. meeting with the counselors and
1: Here's the good news. That first hour and a half appointment where you sit down with a counselor and you review your finances and you'll be asked to bring certain information with you, income verification, a list of your expenses, a list of your creditors, current statements from the creditors that you owe, just a good general documentation of your general finances. That first hour and a half appointment where you have the opportunity to talk with a certified counselor, ask questions, that hour and a half appointment's totally free. Well... Wow. If you enroll in some of our programs, there is small fees that may go along with some of the programs, but we charge no large upfront fees. Because be real careful with some of the commercials you see on TV will reduce your debt by 50%. Well, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Be real careful often there's hidden fees in in that those type of debt relief programs and you're not sure how your money's going to your creditors or when they're getting it and how much of that money they're keeping. So um, you know there's things you should ask as a consumer. How long have you been in business? What kind of rating do you have with the Better Business Bureau? Are your counselor certified? Is your program accredited? We have all those certified counselors, an accredited program, an outstanding uh, relationship with the Better Business Bureau, and a good working relationship with the creditors. That's
0: great. Do you have any stories of like an individual or a family who's gone through this process has been successful?
1: Well, our services are totally confidential. So I am not allowed to, to discuss details. But having done this job for 12 years, I can tell you with certainty, I've had consumers come back to me and say, money controlled my life. I, you know, it caused so much personal stress in my family, family's lives. Um, unfortunately, I saw the, one of the clips you had up there. One of the main reasons for a couple struggling is money. That's one of the things we argue about. And then it causes a lot of stress, stress, and impacts our relationship. Um, I've had consumers come back to me and say, "I didn't realize how I was spending my money. I wasn't. I didn't realize it was controlling me versus it controlling me, controlling it, um, and how much." Um, power you have over your finances and the decisions that you can make. I can only tell you that when I do classes, people will walk up to me and say afterwards, I've been involved in your agency and in your program. I can't tell you how it's changed my life and how I look at money going forward.
0: That's good. That's okay. good. Thank you so much, Janet, sure. for coming and sharing with us. Janet's going to be available after the service. If you have any more questions or um, even just want to know more about consumer credit, Uh, the agency there. Yeah,
1: right outside the door here, there's a table with brochures. If you want to stop by and pick one up, feel free, and I'll be available for questions. Thank Thank you, you.
0: Janet. Uh, Now we have a, a short
2: video. Name's Andy, and I've got something better you can do with me. Like what? Invest. Invest? What's that? Well, it's a way to grow your money by putting it to work. You see, when it comes to money, it's best to invest. Invest, it's best to never let your money rest. You'll keep your money growing without you even knowing. Just like you, your money gets bigger too. Don't be shy, let that money mold Put it in your sock? A bank will hold your money while you're riding a bike. When you're steering a spacecraft or whatever you like. For the use of your deposit, you will get a small fee. We call
0: Solomon Solomon wrote in the Proverbs, um, He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Uh, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. And these are pretty basic truths, aren't they? Uh, There's nothing profound or new for us in these. um, uh, But, you know, it's like when we put money aside, it grows. When we spend everything we make, we have no money. When we save up though, we have more freedom. Let me say that last one again. When we save our money, we have more freedom. When, when we, when we save money, it moves from something that controls us to something that we're able to control. And, and we not only get to control our money, but we, we're able to control ourselves. You know we may feel that urge to spend or to buy something, um, but but we're able to to put it in check because we are in control of our money. We can only serve one master and and when we learn to be disciplined in how we budget and save, then we can begin to gain control of our money and ultimately have freedom from all the trappings that that money brings to help us understand just a little bit more about savings. Um, uh we've asked Jennifer Hammett to come and uh, and share with us. Jennifer is an insultant, uh, investment consultant and let me tell you she really knows her stuff. Um after hearing what she has to say, you're going to fire your financial planner and ask her um to to be your your planner. So help me welcome uh Jennifer this morning. Welcome Jennifer. Jennifer's uh responsibilities um, with the Columbus Office of Greystone, Greystone Consulting, includes several institutional endowment and foundational clients along with private clients. And, and um, she focuses on servicing not-for-profit institutional clients and serving as a lead consultant on several foundational and endowment uh, accounts. She's a graduate of Wittenberg University with a Bachelor of Arts in Business, and Jennifer started a career and served for five years with KPMG uh, Pete Marwick as an international certified CPA. Um, Jennifer then returned to alma mater uh, to serve as the budget director for Wittenberg and, and she was there for 10 years. Her, her experience there um, and, and her insights for non-for-profit financial management serves as an added value resource to Greystone Consulting. Uh, Jennifer joined Greystone in 1998 and in 2006 she earned the Senior Investment Management Consultant Designation from the consulting group, uh, which is an honor to all top financial consultants employing professional asset managers. She's got a lot of other credentials, too, which are really hard to say out loud. uh, She's a member of the Investment Management Consultants Association, a member of the Association of Professional Investment Consultants. You're all taking notes, right? Um, And she holds the IMCA Certified (laughs) Investment Management Analyst uh, designation, which is part of the Wharton School of Business. So, Jennifer now lives in Ohio with her husband, and uh, and we're just very thankful that she's here with us to share. Um, So, could you just tell us a little bit about Greystone Consulting and and really what uh, how investment can investing money can be beneficial for us?
3: Sure. Um, Well, as as Jeremy mentioned, and thank you, Jeremy, for having me today. um, As Jeremy mentioned, Greystone is a part of Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, we specialize in institutional consulting. We are one of 38 teams across the country. For any of you that know Phil Schaefer, that belongs to this church, he's our managing director. I work for Phil. Um, And and we basically, we focus on the non-profits. So a lot of my clients are colleges and universities, private public foundation type of things. As far as Jeremy, you know, how, why I'm here, I mean I think, you know, certainly we can offer some investment advice and, and you, you told me to keep it t- to to the basics. Um, so I certainly will try to do that for I you today. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I was I was talking to Jennifer and she was saying all these words and I'm like uh <laughs> Uh, we're going to have to keep this basic because I don't understand it. But I'm sure there's, there's, you know, a lot of you will get it. Well, there's actually a lot of people in our congregation, different types of people. And, and uh, so knowing that, uh, I think it might be helpful just to answer this question. Who um, are the kinds of people that need to be investing their money?
3: And, Jeremy, that's a real easy question. Um, everyone. I mean, the, the, you're never too old, you're never too young to start investing. Um, I think given the uncertainty, we all need a plan, right? We, we need a plan for our future, for our retirement, et cetera. Um, given the uncertainty in the world today, and certainly the uncertainty in the Social Security system, I don't think we want to make that our plan. We need to take, as you mentioned, Jeremy, we need to take control of our lives and our plan and our retirement. So everyone needs to come to the table. What's the power of investing? And I loved your your video prior to me coming <laughs> up, um, but it is it is all about the compounding. That's why we invest. And I, I put up an example here, um, and this happens to be, I, I use the, the $2,000 amount. So a $2,000 annual contribution that equates to about $38 a week and I think Janet just gave us almost half of that in the in the soda pop, not going to the vending machines. <laughs> right. um, so $38 a week. What happens to that money over time? And I'm just going to take the 25 years. Let's go down 25 years. You've invested $50,000. If you compound at an 8% return, which is realistic over a long time period like that, you've tripled your money. If you do a 10% compound, you've four times your money. That's why you invest. And, and it's, it's important. I, Janet mentioned it with the budget process. It needs to be a disciplined approach. Even if it's $10 a week, you need to start somewhere. So it's just to begin that discipline.
0: That's good. So, so with that $38, um, you know, where, where can we begin putting that money? So if we're going to take that $38, you know, I, I don't know where to stick it. What What are some suggestions? Well, you can do
3: it through a couple different ways. Um, there's, the, you want to check number one to see if that thirty eight dollars can go towards in your employer's four hundred one k or if you participate in a four hundred one k or maybe a four hundred three b plan. Um, so you definitely want to start there. That's something that it comes out pre tax. Um, You don't see it in your paycheck, so you only have to feel it once. You only have to miss it once, and then continuously it will it'll be withdrawn there. But it's tax-deferred money, so it's pre-tax money that goes in there, and it grows tax-deferred until you begin that distribution. The other thing you definitely want to check out is does your employer have a matching program? You don't want to leave free money on the table. Okay, that's free money. I know, Jeremy, you mentioned that I worked for Wittenberg. When I started at Wittenberg, and I think it's still the same today, our savings plan, our 401 plan, was we put in 5 percent of our salary and they put in 10. And there were people that didn't participate in that program. In a matching program, most employers today have a 3 to 5 percent matching program. Just take a 3% match on a, on a $40,000 salary. That's $1,200 a year. That if you're not participating in that program and getting that matching, you're losing. You're, you're leaving it on the table. So definitely check out those type of things. Free money is what you're saying. I'm saying free, free money, money, right. If you wow. don't participate, you don't get it. But if you do participate, they contribute that. That's great. So, um, and then I would say other ways to do it. I mean, and, and Janet mentioned it. Outside the 401K, you definitely want to make sure that you have what we in business call liquidity, but it's really an emergency savings. You want to have cash on the sidelines just in case something happens, and then begin your outside investment plan. You can still, even with a 401K or a 403B if you're participating, you can still contribute to an IRA up to $5,000 a year. It might not be tax-deductible if you participate in these other plans, or if you don't, it would be tax-deductible, your traditional IRA. Um, But the money still grows tax-free. So that's important. That compounding is not taxed until the other end. So you you definitely want to do that. And then, again, if you can go beyond that, just create a wealth-building account and and go to... um, my, my number one piece of advice I would say is get advice. You know, when you're when you want to lay this all out, I mean, the investment world. I do it every day, and I still can't keep up with it. It's an ever-changing, fast-moving environment. But you really want to have advice. Um, so definitely, financial advisor, a broker. You don't want to do this alone. The most important element that you're going to hear when you start this process, and you should hear from your financial advisor, is all about Asset allocation it 's all about diversification. I use the analogy of a, of a street vendor um, who sells umbrellas and sunglasses. Well, that means that when it 's raining, he's going to sell a lot of umbrellas, and when it 's sunny he 's not going to sell a lot of umbrellas, but he's going to sell, sell, sell a lot of sunglasses. He has a diversified product line so there's not a day that he's going to go by probably and not make money because of his diversified same thing for investments you want a diversified product line you want a diversified asset allocation and a lot of that's going to depend on you personally your risk tolerance your time horizon um, those kind of things play in and again somebody with advice somebody who's a professional can help you articulate your specific plan that's going to meet your needs and balance your risk tolerance. Yeah. Tell us
0: uh, just a little about, I want to highlight some of this diversification idea. Um, for those people who um, weren't diversified uh, when the recession hit, h- how did it affect them?
3: Well, they probably, if they were in, there's a couple examples I gave up here. If you were in, um, a lot of people, you know, might have been, and we all hear Enron Okay, um my example up here is Fifth Third. If you were in a single stock and were diversified in your portfolio, I was married eight years ago. When I, when I first looked at my husband's 401k plan, <clears throat> he was a hundred percent Fifth Third stock. And I worked for a company called Citi at that time. So we were pretty much in the financial sector. Had we not, I, I tease him now that it's a good thing he married me because in late two thousand and eight, he would have lost everything <laughs> yeah. not ne- not because fifth third's a bad bank it 's a, a great bank. I love the stock, but everything in the financial industry was hit. everything was hit. It all went down whether you were a strong bank or not, just because you were affiliated with with the the financial industry so if you weren 't diversified in two thousand and eight, you had all your money in in you know large cap stocks or et cetera. You, you were hit. You were hit. You need that kind of buffer. And I think, actually the next slide, a couple, a couple slides, if you'll give me, uh, one more. That's my pie chart. Every good financial consultant has a pie chart, right? <laughs> okay, here, I don't expect you to be able to read this, but color code will, will follow the colors. This represents, it goes back to 1991. And every color up here represents a different asset class. And I don't have a lot of time to go into define asset classes, but think large cap, small cap, value, growth, emerging, international, bonds, cash, etc. The top line represents the asset class that outperformed that year, the top performer. The bottom line represents the one that underperformed, the least performing for that particular year. And you can see those colors are jumping all over the table, right? That's why you want to be diversified. You want to participate, but it's going to kind of a it's kind of like a smoothing effect. You're not going to have a real high and then a real low year. You're going to smooth that effect because of your diversification.
0: That's good. And um, I know that there's explain like portfolio, and then also what do you recommend for people who have a portfolio?
3: Sure, sure. Um, I think you heard me uh, uh, say diversification uh, is certainly the top, and, and the, the, the most recent environment has been a tough, tough, tough environment. So again, it's kind of that piece of advice um, that that you want to make sure you have. Um, the second thing that I would say in in this environment is you need to be flexible. Okay, flexibility is key because. We would say that we're in what we call a range-bound market, Um, meaning if I looked at the return of the S&P in the past 10 years, um, it probably didn't do a whole lot. And actually, there's a chart up here. If you look at that third line down from the bottom, go over to the 10-year number. The S&P over a 10-year period, the most recent 10-year period, returned 1.4% annually. So, you're saying, Jennifer, why do I want to go in the stock market of over 10 years, 1.4 percent? You just showed me a table that was compounding at 8 percent. Well, that's because the bottom graph is showing the SP back since earlier 1900s, okay? Eventually, or, or the, the pattern here is that we've had those range bound markets before in the past. History has shown us that. You can see those straight lines going across. But in the end, the stock market tends to go up. And you want to be there, and you have to be in the market in order to participate. Over the 10-year period, what you're not seeing at the bottom of the screen, over that 10-year period, if I go back to 19, I'm sorry, 1925, annualized return on the S&P through December 2010, 9.87. So almost 10%. That's why you want to be in the stock market. If you look at the past 10 years, and if you can take me to the next graph, And you heard me say uh, a range-bound market. This goes back to 1997. Range-bound. Beginning of the decade to about 2010. If you followed it, you're about A to B. You didn't move a whole lot. Okay? But look at the activity and the volatility in between that time. That volatility actually creates opportunities at different times. Again, You want advice. You want an advisor who's looking at your materials and looking at the market all the time to be able to give you the advice. We were, um, say, at the beginning of 2000, where we had that spike up there on the left. We're sitting at a high point. Our kind of motto in the investment industry is: you want to sell high and buy low. Okay. So when we at the the 2000, we were actually taking some gains off the table. We were selling some of our stocks and rebalancing the portfolio. At the bottom down there, when you see 2003, what we went through early in the decade, we were probably adding to our equity portfolio. Now, we didn't get the timing just right, but we certainly knew that that there's different trends that we're watching in the industry all the time um, that allows us to give advice to our clients to say, now's now's a good time to get back in. We need to rebalance them back and increase. So even in a range-bound market, There's still opportunity sets, and you need to allow yourself to be flexible to do that.
0: Yeah, what what I hear you saying, especially in this, well, I have two thoughts, but the first is I hear you saying ultimately you are in control of the money. You know, it's you know you're you're following the market. You know when it's best to sell, when it's best to buy, and and ultimately that's what we want to do is is find a way to be in control of our money, so our money's not controlling us, right? That's right. Um, but of course, the other thing that I think of when I see a, a, a graph like this is I think I want to take my money out of the market. I want to stuff it in the mattress, and I don't want anyone touching it because I know it's safe there. What, what would you say to someone who who has those thoughts?
3: Um, number one, when you start doing that, call me because I want to put money in the market. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, a couple things. Um, first of all, you're going to have to put a lot more money in that mattress because you're not going to get the compounding effect. You're not going to get the interest rate. Um, it, it's an education process, Jeremy, I really think. Um, and, and again, find- me stupid. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an education process. And I really think that's what a financial advisor can help you understand and, and help everyone understand kind of why you want to stay in the market, how we maneuver through difficult markets, etc. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Jennifer. Yes, thank, thank Jennifer for coming and sharing with us. Um, again, she's going to be available in the lobby um, afterwards just to ask more questions of her, and, and uh, we really appreciate uh, Janet and Jennifer coming and sharing with us. So we've got one last video for you, uh, so if you'll watch the screens.
3: My wife and I are going to begin to work with you, those of you who are willing to make a 13-week commitment. In the second week of May, May 8th, we're going to start a two-hour class on Dave Ramsey, and I am excited about that. This will change your life. When you understand the Christian perspective and the real personal finance perspective of managing debt and managing wealth, you will become a different person.
0: My name is Butch Malden.
3: I'm Carissa Garrison. Monty Ray. My name is Johanna Mitchell. Dana Minettos.
2: My name is Perry Rush. My name is Robin Hensley. My name is Kendra Kerr. My name is Andrea Hooten. My name is Troy Hooten. And I'm a single mother.
0: Financial Peace University prepared us for the storm.
2: And my story is a story of hope.
0: I'm proof that anybody can do this. And because of financial peace, I no longer live in fear. I got my first credit card at a Green Bay Packer football game so that I could get the free t-shirt,
2: and slowly I accumulated like three to five credit cards. We had so much stuff. We thought we could just spend what we wanted to.
3: Everything was fine, and I lost a job, and then I started living off of the credit cards.
2: So we started looking to our friends and watching what they were doing. I fell into the trap that single parents often fall into, which is trying to buy things to make their children happy, to make up for what you may feel is your failure, We enrolled in Financial Peace University.
3: The timing of our taking the class had been a part of God's provision for us.
2: I found out that my job would be going away. About three weeks later,
0: Andrea found out that she too would lose her job.
3: We had our emergency fund built. We now know that we can make it, and we are going to come out of this storm on the other side.
0: Once I read Financial Peace, I realized I'm not going to have a problem with my education, and I'm not going to work a job that I hate. I don't think I realized what the burden was until I heard someone else say that they were debt-free, and I could really hear.
3: Um, the freedom and the joy in their, their voices. We got out of debt. We paid $60,000 off in two years.
2: We own our house free and clear. We have discovered a way to get out of the debt and get out of the stress through this Financial Peace University class. This isn't something that has to hold me back anymore.
0: All you need to do is take the time, the energy, and have the confidence in yourself that you can do it and don't give up just want to let you guys know about something that's happening in May. Uh, we're going to be offering the financial peace course for any of you guys who are interested in being a part of that. And uh, if you want to know more about what financial peace is or if you're interested in signing up, we encourage you to go to the hospitality room now. We've got a short promotional video just to discover more about that. And um, that's coming up in May. And just encourage you guys to, to get in that class. It's just helped so many people really gain control of their finances and be able to honor God with how they they use and um, and operate with their money. So we're so thankful for you guys coming today. I hope that you were blessed by this. We want to thank Janet and Jennifer again for their opportunity just to come and, and share with
2: us. And so thank you, Quest, for being here. I look forward to seeing you next week.